All right, hopefully we got this thing up and running right now. What's going on, man? This is out of line. We are here live in Detroit, and um, I'm freezing my ass off. We had a few technical difficulties. Unfortunately, the show won't be on video today. It'll only be on the radio, so uh, I'll try to take a few pictures, and we'll be able to send them to you, but we're having a few technical difficulties. But um, we are here, man. We are uh, freezing, and uh, maybe that's what it is. Things are freezing up out here. But um, you are listening. This is Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman. Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Old Knights, sister station of Raiders Nation Radio and ESPN Las Vegas. The we helping out back in the studio today. I've got the two guys that make the show turn and go, and that is uh, one is Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski. Okay, I can't hear whether that went down or not. I'm not being able to hear the guys for a while. I hope I can hear them right now. I'm not hearing a lot. But um, uh, also joining the show is our producer, Christmas, Chris Magnum Chapman, aside from being a uh, Regular here on Out of Line, Chris does a lot of other shows on Lotus Broadcasting as well as he is a radio uh, locker room broadcaster for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio. We are also streaming on the LB Sports Network, and you can watch the show normally on Facebook Live and Twitch, although as mentioned today, uh, some technical difficulties, so only on the radio. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio Line, is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own. RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank, is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. To get information or to get have your questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans today, and they are powered by Luminate Bank. Real quick on tap today, Vegas Golden Knights, man, won three of their last seven games. Are they in trouble? We'll talk about that. Chris, I went to last night's game. I was there a couple nights ago against Boston when they won. And a little bit of a head-scratcher, some injury issues, some goaltending issues. We'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. Of course, a UNLV, real tight game yesterday. I didn't see it, uh, but they were up by seven points at halftime, ended up losing by a point to Utah State, who is, by the way, ranked in the country. Um, you know, a good game. Again, I didn't see it. We'll try to get some information on that one as well for you. Just uh, we're pretty busy here at the store, the outlet that I'm at right now. And, uh, again, I'm not being able to see you guys. We'll see what happens. But, anyways, also on tap today, uh, we'll talk about the Raiders ended their season last week. Uh, kind of a funky celebration in the locker room. I wasn't thrilled about it. Uh, Antonio Pierce made it a tradition a few weeks back during his ten. His brief ten years interim coach. Will he remain the coach? We'll talk about that also as well. And of course, uh, the NFL playoffs, man, about as big as it gets right now. A couple of games yesterday. Both home teams uh, held serve. Will it happen today? I sure hope so. Two games today. Two more tomorrow. The Buffalo game has been postponed between Buffalo and Pittsburgh till tomorrow night. Weather is just too bad to play today. Here it's really nice and sunny. It's been really miserable since I've got here. But, again, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Uh, the game is held inside of Ford Field. But that is what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home, refinance the home you currently own, or have any mortgage or real estate-related questions, contact the pros at RCG Home Loans. Today, powered by Luminate Bank. All right, guys, let's get into it. Uh, Spence, go ahead and hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. 
Well, the puck's been rolling in Vegas for a while now. The season started as hot as you could have possibly hoped for it to start after uh, they win the Stanley Cup back in June, and then they just start on fire, go, actually going after opening season win records. And you don't usually see that a team get out of the gate that well after they just won the Stanley Cup. You know, everyone's gearing for them. And Vegas got off to a huge start, and thank goodness for that huge start because otherwise they might be in trouble right now. They went from a couple weeks ago being the best team in hockey to right now they are literally a second best team in the Pacific Division. They're eight points behind Vancouver. And again, that's a surprise based on the fact that uh, how good they started the season. Uh, Chris, I wasn't at the game obviously yesterday being in Detroit. I wasn't there, but uh, Calgary three to one over the Golden Knights. And, um, you know, Again, it's just these low-scoring outputs. I mean, if you look in the past, what is it, like four games, they've got four goals in the past four games, or five goals, I guess, in the past four games. Just unacceptable. Well, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot going wrong um, on that end of the spectrum for the Golden Knights. Last night was more, I think, about them not executing on their chances and then also uh, Calgary just out-muscling them in front of the net. Uh, the Flames get three goals all inside um, a span of a few feet from Logan Thompson. And uh, look, Vegas had some, some chances there early on, especially in the first period. They were just unable to put them in the net. Uh, the, one, the one goal they did score, they generated from below the, uh, the, the goal line there, Mark Stone finding Chandler Stevenson. But, Brian, I mean, I asked Bruce Cassidy about it last night, and, you know, there, there's a multitude of reasons why they're not scoring, and it seems like everything is just kind of come crumbling down on them right now when it comes to putting the puck in the net. You know, the Islanders game a week ago last night, they scored five goals, but they, they, they've scored three goals in three games since then, and you go back to what they were doing before that, and even going back to the Winter Classic, they really weren't scoring goals. So, um, Look, they struggled on the road trip to the, to the Southeast, Carolina, and the, the two Florida teams. They were crushed by the Anaheim Ducks following Christmas. They played maybe their best game um, in, in the month of December and, and so far January against the Kings, although I think they probably played better against the Bruins on Thursday night than they did against the Kings. But, but Brian, I mean, this is, this is a team that's dealing with a, a, a ton of injuries, especially to key guys. You know, Byron Fraze gets called up from Henderson last night to be the fourth-line center. Uh, Nick Waugh is having to, to center the second line, and he's a guy who's normally your fourth-line center. So, um, sorry, there, there's a lot of background noise there, but, um, you know, I'm hoping you can hear me. We normally do. I'll try to walk over. I mean, I'm hearing you really good, Chris. You still there? You hear me? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. So, yeah, I mean, okay. there, there's a lot going wrong. And, it, and unfortunately, it's all kind of like a, a snowball effect where one thing is leading to another. You know, last night they made a couple of mistakes. And, you know, especially there in front of the net, a couple of big D-men just they, – they, they shouldn't be pushed out of the way the way that they were, but they were. And, um, look, they're practicing today, which is something I did not think I'd see. Um, I didn't think they were going to be practicing today. I figured, you know, with a, with a, a game last night and an early game tomorrow, I didn't think they'd be out on the ice today. But, you know, there's a lot that this team needs to work on, Brian. And, um, you know, it's – it's they – I – look, I, we're, I'm around this team a lot. And my, my personal opinion is they're, they're, they just need to tread water until the All-Star break. And I think after that they'll turn it up. But, I mean, they've got to get healthy. Shea Theodore's missed more games than he's played. Uh, we're, we're now 42, 43 games into the season. Shea Theodore's only played 20 games. 
that's a problem. So um, now William Carlson on the shelf. William Carrier's been out for a while. He's had multiple stints. On well, the, on the, and I saw Chris Jack Eichel didn't play last yeah, night. Yeah, no Eichel last night. He's day to day. You know, he didn't skate in the morning morning skate yesterday, so it was kind of a known thing that he wasn't going to play. But um, look, I mean, at, at the end of the day, Brian, this team needs to get healthy, and they need to get healthy quick. And that starts, you know, with Shea Theodore. I mean, they need they they're at a point where, look, Alex Petrangelo, I think, has had a really good season for the Golden Knights. Not a lot that's shown up in the stat sheet, but I mean, that guy, he's been playing like 28, 30 minutes a game. It seems like for for half the season, and you know, he'll never tell you that he's tired, but I think he's probably a little tired. Uh, Brady McNabb is pulling some heavy minutes for the Golden Knights. They need that help with Shea Theodore, and they need him to, to get healthy quick. I mean, I don't know what the injury is, but, man, Brian, they, they desperately miss him because he does so much for them as far as moving the puck through the neutral zone. He, he anchors the power play. And, and, look, the power play has really struggled without him in there. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think everyone understands the value of Shea Theodore, one of the best two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League, and you know, still, still just entering the prime of his career right now, which is uh, is crazy. And 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 they desperately need him. I, I, they desperately need Carlson. Eichel day to day. Eichel needs to be minute to minute. I mean, they, there is no way they do anything without that guy. Their leading point getter, leading goal scorer. I mean, Jack Eichel has definitely risen to the top of his profession, which is what everyone expected would happen when he came to the Vegas Golden Knights. But, you know, goal scoring, Chris, as you mentioned, is a huge problem. And one of the other things, it's, it's goaltending. I mean, Logan Thompson definitely at times shows he can make elite saves, but it's not always consistent or congruent. And, you know, in Aiden Hill, we got to get him back. I mean, you know, it's the, is Aiden Hill going to follow up how great he was in the Stanley Cup playoff run last year? Well, you want to believe so, but he's got to be in net for a, a, a set period of time. And that's really scary. And, you know, and, and relying on Henderson goaltenders is uh is you know is is a risky proposition. We we went through this a couple of years ago where they missed a ton of man hours due to injury, and uh, you know it's part of the game. But this team is the reigning Stanley Cup champions, and you know they, there's no question they are going to uh, be a target every single night they play. We see, you know, it's pretty funny. We see goaltenders, and it's just every time we see a goaltender going up against, against the Vegas Golden Knights, they bring the best game. I mean, it's like it's motivation. It's kind of you can you. It's your measuring stick. How good am I, man? Can I beat the Stanley Cup champions? And everyone has that in their mind. Us as, as kids, you know, when you played a, against the team that was the best team in the league, you know, you knew you were playing them the night before. You you get motivated, and that's something that's happened. So, you know, I I think you know, will the will the Vegas will the Vegas Golden Knights be okay? I think there's a great potential for them to be just fine. The key is, are they going to be healthy? And is goaltending going to be a strength for this team as it was? Was last season, which is part of what propelled them to the Stanley Cup final and, of course, the Stanley Cup championship. So those things are all question marks. I don't think it's time to get overly worried. They're still in second place in the Pacific Division. They're, they're, they're locked into a playoff spot right now. That great start helped them out tremendously. That can't be overstated because it's huge for them right now. And they've got to get out of this lull and find a way to, to score goals first and foremost, play a little bit better defense. And the bottom line is they got to win. If they don't win, uh, things you know that's it. winning is everything. So we we will see. I, I don't think it's time to give up on them. Is it time to panic? No. Is it reason for concern? Of course. When a team is suffering and they're missing a lot of hours due to injuries, it's it's it, it is a concern. So we will. Uh, you know we'll, that that those things are all yet to be determined. Uh, whether that that's happening or not. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I think this, this next week, the fact they got three more home games, I think it's a good chance to turn it around before they get back on the road. And that starts on Tuesday night. And if they can somehow, you know, get, I'd say, maybe four to five points out of this, these next three games, that would be kind of big right now before they went on the road again and see that this team is, is ready to play. I, I am by no means bouncing on them. I think anybody that is is out of their minds. This team has so much playoff experience from top to bottom per man that uh, they're going to be okay. The, the key is they know how to play in the postseason. They know how to turn it up several notches, and that's what I think will benefit them down the road. But they've got to stay in the hunt. They've got to start winning. And the, the key is scoring more goals and playing better defense. It sounds like every aspect of the game, but I, I still believe the Golden Knights will be okay when it is all said and done. And, um, guys, moving on to just because we ran a little bit behind today, not going to be able to stick on that subject too much. Um, real quick, UNLV now, guys, I don't know if you guys happened to see the game last night, if uh, you see it or heard it, obviously, with my travels to Detroit, I did not get to. I just looked a little bit at the highlights in the game itself. It looks like UNLV, the running Rebels, were up, you know, seven, eight points going in at halftime, and I don't know what happened in the second half, but the key is, they beat New Mexico pretty handily last week. Now, maybe New Mexico's not as good as their record indicates, but at the beginning of the season, um, a lot of people talk about Mashburn and, and what they have there, that this team is really going to be a force to be reckoned with and then on top of on, on top of that um you know you've got uh you know you have a uh, you know some of the wins that maybe you, you don't want to call wins we talked about that last week i'm not going to harp a ton on that but unlv is i think playing better right now than anybody would have thought they would have at, at the beginning of the season southern game i'm going to give them a little bit of pass because neither one of the boone brothers played in that first game against southern and there is no question if they're not the two best players on their team, the two of the three best players on this team. I mean, that's how good and how important they are. And UNLV is definitely a different basketball team with the two of them playing for them. So that being said, with them on the court, I think this team can compete with most teams in the Mountain West. And when I say compete, I'm not saying win. I'm not saying they're even going to get a postseason bid this year. At the beginning of the season, I would have said no way. But what I will say now is I think they're able to compete. And the two Boone brothers really are a big reason for that. They elevate everyone else's game. Thomas, you know, this kid should be a senior in high school, and he's learning how to be a point guard at the collegiate level. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I misjudged this team or didn't take the time to really wait and evaluate it when everybody was playing and they were at full strength. Because I'll tell you what, when you look at this team, guys, right now that the UNLV has, it is a completely different lineup that was on the floor in that first game against Southern. Some of the same parts, but really – it seems like Kevin Kruger's figured things out and figured out what players he is going to need to have on the floor to compete, and they're doing that better now. So I'll give them some kudos there, but again, I'm still unhappy with their, their out-of-conference schedule. Like I said, four of the wins, I don't even want to count that they got this year, but I'll tell you what, I was entertained in the New Mexico game. Now, New Mexico did not play well, but I was entertained, meaning UNLV played okay basketball, good enough to make me say, wow, okay, this isn't terrible. And, uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to say that they're ter- terrible. I, you know, like I said, I think the jury is still out, and we will find out now as everyone's healthy going forward how this team's going to be. They got a, you know, obviously a couple of really big tests coming up, and I think this next week there's two games this week, if I'm not mistaken, and there's going to be. Some, they are. They are definitely going to get tested as to how good they are. Um, you know, they've got, I believe, coming into town, or they actually go on the road. They play Boise, I believe, on Tuesday night, and then they play at number 17, Colorado State, next Friday. We'll see how they come out of those two games because both those teams should beat them. 
So if they're able to squeeze one of those wins out of the road or compete in both of them, you know, we'll see how that goes next week. But, um, again, I'm looking forward to getting back and seeing this team continue to grow. And, uh, and, uh, and a little bit of an entertaining brand of basketball. The Boone brothers do make it fun. Thomas is a developing point guard that, I mean, you know, the upside, this kid could have played in a lot of schools and chose to stay here and go to UNLV. That's big time. And, again, Rodriguez, I think, is one of those guys that he is just a, a spark plug, a guy that uh, starts the game, but really they kind of rally around his energy. And we'll see what happens, man. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I'm sorry. Uh, moving on from, from that to the next subject. And, guys, um, you know, obviously we had a national championship game uh, that we just saw this past Monday night. And, um, you know, it went the way I expected. And I think a lot of people say in Washington, I never wavered. It wasn't being a homer. I just felt U of M was the better team. Um, I understand some people felt that maybe the Pac-12 was the best conference in college, even though the Pac-12, not maybe the best college, but they were better than the Big Ten people thought. But the point is, is they're gone. And, yeah, we saw some good success out of the Pac-12 this year. Oregon was a pretty darn good team most of the season. And we saw what Washington did, including beating Texas in the semifinal, the Sugar Bowl. So you see that they were a really good football team. Um, but U of M, to me, was incredible. And and at the and at, and at the end of the game at the end of the game, um, you know, you, you, you saw people, you know, talking about what was gonna happen with JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum, Jim Harbaugh. And you know, all that controversy was kind of there before the game. And it's not controversy. Well when two of your best players are underclassmen and they're this good, you think you're gonna lose them in the coach. I don't think anybody thinks Harbaugh is gonna be the head coach at the University of Michigan next year. And still with all those things waning over them, they still found a way to uh, win the national championship, and you know the third, the third for Michigan. Uh, you know it's crazy, um, but you know people don't realize that Bo Schembechler. When you know when you speak about Michigan football, the first name that comes up is Bo Schembechler. Always, you know it's really crazy. Bo Schembechler never won a national title. You know Jim Harbaugh's got one. The last one that won it when Woodson there, his coach was Lloyd Carr, and then before that, you're talking back in the '40s. And yet Bo might be the most iconic name associated with the University of Michigan, and he never won a championship there. So kudos to Carbaugh. Harbaugh now a national championship has gotten the team to the Super Bowl in the NFL. Those are pretty big accolades, considering there's only three coaches in history that have actually won a Super Bowl and a national championship. Harbaugh is just a tinge away from that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the odds are he will be back in the NFL. It's a matter of where people seem to keep thinking the Chargers. Um, you know, I think the Bears are in the running. The fact that Harbaugh played there and they've got the first and tenth pick in the draft next year, that's going to be lucrative. And maybe even Las Vegas, uh, you know, the Raiders, um, you know, storied organization. They do have some really good players at the skill position. They're going have to find a quarterback, but that's Jim, Jim Harbaugh is not a guy that can't go out and find a recruited quarterback, a la J.J. McCarthy. So, uh, you know, we'll see where he ends up going, uh, but it was funny, after that, before the championship game last Sunday, after the Raiders game, it was really cool. I got a chance to meet and talk to Charles Woodson locker. I'm not going to play the entire interview, because obviously it's a little bit outdated now with the championship game already taking place, but the cool thing, I got to talk to him about his key players, especially J.J. McCarthy, because I feel... I've been watching Michigan football since I was knee-high to a toadstool. And the bottom line is, I don't know that they've ever had a better quarterback. Now, people are like, whoa, 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 Tom Brady played at Michigan. Tom Brady was a, was a pedestrian quarterback the one year he started at Michigan, and he had a great Orange Bowl, which is the reason he even got drafted in the first place and got to go to the Combine. He was not a great quarterback at Michigan. Brian Greasy had a better career at Michigan than Tom Brady did, and I can name a bunch of others that did. But at the collegiate level, let's look at what J.J. McCarthy's done. He has taken this team now to a three 
college FBS playoffs. Granted, he lost in the semis the first two times around, but hey, this time he went to the championship game and won it handily. And J.J. McCarthy was the quarterback starting since he was a freshman. And the kid could come back again next year, and it looks like he's going to. Um, you know, this kid to me is the best quarterback that has ever played at the University of Michigan. And that is such a gigantic statement when you think University of Michigan is the number one college most winning fr- uh, university in, in, in history. They're number one. Alabama's number two. So to say that he's the best quarterback that's ever played there, that's a hell of a boast. But again, tell me who's been better and, and, and give me the statistics and let me know. Because again, this guy's taken him to three college football playoffs in his three years as a starter. You can't really, I guess he could have won three championships, but he's got his championship now. And to me, that's cemented him. That was one of the things I asked Charles Woodson about. I also asked him about, you know, Coach Harbaugh. You know, there's a rumor about him potentially coming here. That, and then I, I left the last question in where I asked about the prediction because it was pretty funny. So, Spence, if you can play that, that'd be great. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come and go at Michigan. I don't know that I've seen one better or maybe with a bigger upside than this kid, yeah, especially yeah. at the collegiate level. What yeah, do you think? We, we, we finally, you know, got our guy there, you know, the last couple of years. A uh, guy that can sling it down the field, not, not afraid to take chances. He's a mobile guy. And, uh, you know, just a very – very good kids. You know, I've been around him a little bit. And, uh, just a good kid. And, uh, loves football, loves Michigan, wants to win. So we, we, like you said, man, after after years of you know trying to kind of searching for guys to take us to that next level, finally found it with him. With him and Corbin, what about the main guy, Jim Harbaugh? All this talk and what happened at Michigan with him this year, and now he's at the top of the pinnacle, man. He's got a chance to do something that not a lot of Michigan coaches have done. What do you think of Jim Harbaugh? And then on the second end of that question, a lot of rumors about possibly him coming here. After this whole thing, yeah. Well, I, you know, I just worry about the game. You know, I'll take his words. And, you know, he'll worry about all that stuff after the game. But uh, he's done a tremendous job. You know, he came in, and uh, the crazy thing is, he came in and he won a lot of games. You know, but he just couldn't he couldn't win that one game that we all look at when you go to Michigan or you go to Ohio State. Is that is winning against one another, and uh, then all of a sudden we start whooping their ass, and that felt good. Um, so we knocked on the door the last couple of years, and. Um, Finally got ourselves in a position to win it all, you know, in a championship game. So I'm proud of Jim. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of Team 144. And uh, I can't wait for tomorrow night. Put you on the spot. Who's going to win the game? Come on, man. Uh, one side. <laughs> Uh, you know, at, at the end um, of the interview, guys, what, what's, what's kind of funny is, again, I knew he couldn't answer any questions. He's not going to give Washington any locker room material. Hey, Charles Woodson said they're going to win 28-7. to 7, You know, but, um, you know, great guy and, you know, arguably one of the best defensive backs to ever play in the National Football League. Hall of Famer, um, Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, national championship, or I should say co-national champions. They were co with Nebraska, but with Michigan in 1997. About as good as it gets. And, you know, I played the interview, even though it was a little outdated. Normally, I wouldn't do stuff like that. But, um, hey, you know what? When you get a bucket list interview, and I've got about 15 people on my bucket list that I want to interview uh, before it's all said and done. And Chuck Wilson's one of those guys. So I was able to cross that off. You guys got to hear it. 
And, um, you know, the guy I don't think could have been more excited uh, about getting that national, you know, about, about them playing in it. And I'm sure I didn't get to see him or talk to him afterwards, but I can only imagine, uh, you know, every Michigan alumni has got to be beaming right now. That is a gigantic feather in the cap of the Michigan Wolverines. They've beaten Ohio State now three times in a row, as you heard Chuck Woodson say, that, uh, you know, that was the big problem. Even alumni were having, he's winning a lot of games, but he's not winning the big game. And, you know, now you look at Ryan Day at Ohio State, and he's got to come under some scrutiny because they feel the same way. They don't care what you've done. They want to beat Michigan. And you don't go three or four straight years losing to them or you're in the unemployment line. Uh, not that Ryan Day will be for very long if he was in the unemployment line, but I'll tell you what, Ohio State's probably, they've probably got one more chance to win that game. That's it. Uh, that's how important that is. And, um, guys, speaking of all that, you know, there's uh, you know, some coaches, some changes in coaching. And I apologize if you're here in the background. Again, you're listening to Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman. And I am live coming to you from Fanatic U, directly across the street from Ford Field and Kitty Corner to Comerica Park. And this place is all Detroit Lions sporting goods, sporting. It's got everything you can imagine for all of Michigan teams. And uh, because of that, the place is packed, even though the game is not until way later tonight here. Uh, this place is packed with people right now. So I'm like hiding in a closet to talk to you. We had a setup, but it just didn't work out. So that's why we're doing the show on the radio. And I apologize. Um, like I said, I'll take some pictures and post them so you can see what was going on down here it has been crazy and the weather everything else but really cool but guys back to that Spence I'm going to bring you in now because you know jumping over to the bones and you know the big thing with the Raiders a couple of things that I want your opinion on this Chris can give me his as well but you know something that was really bothersome after that game and and people are telling me I shouldn't be bothered by it that it's ridiculous I mean even Brian Selman uh, got on me and said oh I thought it was great but you know I walk in the locker room after they beat Denver they, they end up with an 8-9 record, and they're celebrating. Everyone's smoking cigars. Now, I understand Antonio Pierce kind of made that a little bit of a tradition about eight weeks ago or so, but, man, I think you, you, you curtail the, you, the, the tradition right off the get-go. You ended up under 500, you didn't make the playoffs, and you're celebrating. And people seeing that on TV, maybe in other countries, like, what the hell is going on in other states? Like, why are they celebrating? You know, they're celebrating because they were all able to get their tea times tomorrow? I mean, I, I didn't get it, but... Brian Selman had a good point. Number one, there were alumni like Charles Woodson there that were invited in to support Anthony, uh, you know, to, to, to support Antonio Pierce, number one. And, um, you know, and secondly, a lot of these guys may not be back next year. It's the end of the season. You know, it's in a way of saying goodbye and spending a little time and having some fun with each other. But you know what? I, again, felt every football day knows through that. At the end of the year, you never know who's coming back and who's not. You don't celebrate a losing season. My opinion um, and before I go on as far as who should be the coach and what, what I've heard and what I know, Spence, give me your opinion on that as well, because you've seen the videos. Um, you, you know, we, we would be putting up the pictures and maybe even the video I got there um, had we had the video access today. But what I will say, Spencer, is, um, you know, as, I'm not a Raiders fan, but if that was the Detroit Lions, I would have been really bothered. And I can't believe that if Al Davis was alive or John Madden, they would have been okay with celebrating no matter what the tradition is. I mean, the bottom line is the season's over and you're going home. Yeah, I don't know, Brian. I, I don't have such a strong take on it. I mean, they beat the Broncos, for, I think, for the eighth straight time. So they're like number three on the like, winning in a row against the Raiders. You know, that's just what they do, and that's just kind of the attitude that AP brings to the locker room. And that's not going to change, like, until he's not the head coach. Like, that is what every locker room is like after victory. The guys seem to love it. I mean, I know there's probably a lot of news that you want to talk about with Max Crosby potentially demanding a trade if AP isn't hired. But, yeah, um, I, I don't think so. I think it's good for them to have fun. It's always good to beat a division rival. Uh, it's a very good feeling as a Raiders fan to see them just beat the Broncos every year. Yeah, I hear you, Spence. I, 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 um, 
I, I, I know you don't have a strong opinion. I'm surprised a little bit that, you, that your opinion's not stronger because, you know, you want your team to win. You bleed with the Raiders, and you're, you get upset because for you, even though they played in Super Bowls, they've won Super Bowls all before your time. With me, before my time, they won an NFL championship, like I said, but I just would be happy if I could say they were Super Bowl champions in 1968. That would be cool, but I can't do that. So, uh, you know, I, you know we'll, we'll leave that alone. But I don't believe that is going to bode well for Antonio Pierce when it comes to decision-making time. As a matter of fact, he and all of the staff have kind of been inadvertently given permission to go look for other jobs, to interview elsewhere. So that doesn't tell you that. And they're talking about heir apparents of who's going to be the next coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And, you know, you've heard names thrown up. Harbaugh probably been the most consistent name thrown up. And I have no idea whether underneath it all he wants to come here. He really still hasn't said very much. He's been fairly tight-lipped about anything right now. And I think he's still got to sit down with the athletic director of the University of Michigan and have a conversation before he just jumps out and says, hey, here's where I'm going next year. Um, I think he's going to be successful. The guy just can flat out coach, and he can coach at both the collegiate and the professional level. He's proven that. He's had really good success at both levels. So uh, he's going to be highly touted. He's going to be highly paid. Wherever he ends up going, I still, my gut still screams the L.A. Chargers. I think it's got the best upside for him. I think they've got a quarterback that people felt a couple years ago, maybe one of the faces of the NFL in, in, in years to come. I don't know if I feel that strongly about Justin Herbert, but I know there's an upside and he just needs to be taught. And, you know, in Los Angeles, a nice place to live. You know, the, the, the Chargers are a long history team, although from San Diego. So I can see that. And the other one to me, like I said earlier, the Bears, simply because he played there and having that first and tenth pick, you can really start to build your own team and use those to leverage for a lot of leverage. So um, we'll see what happens with Harbaugh and stuff. But, uh, you know, somebody that was lobbying for a head coach and one guy that we know is available, a couple of Hall of Famers. I mean, Pete Carroll no longer with the Seattle Seahawks. Is he going to coach anymore right off of the sunset? That's going to be an interesting decision. And Bill Belichick, I made the false impression, the wrong impression, that he would stop coaching, that it doesn't make any sense. He's going to tarnish his legacy. I mean, right now you've already got people giving Brady the majority of the credit, and they are. When I say the majority, I mean that, of, for what has happened with the Patriots. They are not taking into account Bill Belichick's, that this team has consistently every year had a defense that starts in the middle of the pack or sometimes even in the rear, and by the end of the season they're top ten or better. Belichick has done that. That for years, that's plug-and-play and understanding defensive schemes and making adjustments throughout the course of the season, and that is something that Belichick is a master at. Yes, we saw Brady go right to Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl immediately, and we're not going to say that team was geared up and ready to win and Brady was the missing link. No, man, he went there, made that team better, and was a big part of how they won the Super Bowl. They had a really good defense that year, but don't discredit Bill Belichick. The guy can flat-out coach. He's still one of the goats. And it was not just because of Brady, because if you remember years ago, and Brady was 31 years old, what, 12 years before he retired, and he had complete knee, reconstructive knee surgery, blew out his knee in the first game of the season. And Matt Castle came in and won 11 games for the New England Patriots without Tom Brady. But people seem to disregard that season. And it's really the only measuring stick that you have because Brady didn't miss another season other than that one. So you can't see what he would have done. But I'll tell you this much, how good of a quarterback did Matt Castle turn out to be? Like, did he turn out because it sure got him some jobs, got him a job in Kansas City, and the guy was garbage. And so, it was, you know, do you want to give credit to Belichick for that season, or where is the credit going to go? But the point is, the guy's pretty good. And the reason I'm talking a great deal about him, because we got a little bit of a treat on Thursday night after the Boston Bruins game, when uh, Bruce Cassidy chimed in, and you know, I, I shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, Bruce Cassidy was in Boston. You should have figured those two at least met. 
but I didn't realize they were this good of friends that 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 to a degree based on what Cassidy said, Belichick was almost kind of a little bit of a mentor to him. And they were good friends. And so, you know, here's what Bruce had to say after that game, and you can hear him kind of lobbying for Belichick uh, to come to the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Tip my hat to Bill Belichick uh, for a great tenure in New England. I know we're not, uh, you know, the New England area, but he, he was a, he's a friend of mine and uh, heard the news today. So congrats, Bill, on an outstanding run. I uh, wish you all the best going forward. Oh, yes. Uh, and, and you just heard, um, you know, I thought there was more to that one, but I guess it was another one that he talked more about it, about him, uh, you know, saying, hey, I'm just putting it out there, and he elaborated a little bit more. But, you know, is, is Bruce Cassidy enough to make Bill Belichick consider Las Vegas? Well, let me put it to you this way. And, um, and, I, and, and you guys, whoever wants bags, if you want to chime in, you can. But what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is Bruce Belichick just broke up with his girlfriend of 16 years, okay, very recently. Doesn't have a girlfriend and is gone from the Patriots. And look at the guy has a chance to become, I think he's 15 wins short or something of the, uh, of the overall record in history coaching record. Bill Belichick's ego is way too big. He is definitely going to coach more and go for that record to cement himself as the greatest coach of all time, at least, you know, statistically. And uh, so I do see that. Where would be a good fit for Bill Belichick? Well, the fact that you do have Bruce Cassidy as your friend, I mean, Bruce could be easily be the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights for another three or four seasons. He may be the longest-standing coach of the Vegas Golden Knights by the time he, he moves out and somebody else moves in. So, so Belichick would have a really good friend here in that, the guy that knew the city and has already had success here. And, um, again, Belichick's a single man. What, what, where's a better market when you're one of the most famous coaches in football history uh, to go and meet women? I mean, there's a lot of them out in Las Vegas. So, again, that's somewhat of a joke. But realistically, I don't think it is completely absurd if he coaches again that Las Vegas wouldn't be a team in consideration that. What do you think, Chris? Well, I mean, I, I think Belichick's going to go to a place where he's got the best quarterback. And, you know, you look at, you look at the, the, the situations around the NFL and there's a lot of bad jobs. Like, I think Gerard Mayo, who is the successor to Bill Belichick, took a job that's probably not a, a good job. Um, I think Belichick will bide his time. Who knows? He may take a year off. Um, I mean, he's going to be in demand for sure. But he may just wait and see what becomes available. You know, because you look around right now and, you know, there's really not a ton of jobs available right now. So that that have a, that are, a, I would say, a good job maybe the falcons because you know they were supposed to be better than what they were and and well you know they they they, they have desmond ritter who i thought was supposed to be or i thought was going to be a much better quarterback than he than he is but i i, I don't know brian I, I i wouldn't be shocked if belichick just takes a year off and waits and sees what becomes available next year because there's there, there could be some potentially good openings next year yeah, I don't think we're going to hear right away unless somebody really puts the screws to him or makes him the perfect offer. He'll take his time and make that decision. As I think of all these coaches that are out there that that are going to you know make a decision like with Pete Carroll, is he going to coach anymore? Um, you know, God, Sneaky Pete still seems to have a lot of energy to me. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, and really interesting what happens with the Raiders. But I'm going to go back and say what I said a couple of weeks ago on the show about Antonio Pierce. I don't see Antonio Pierce being retained and having the interim and having the interim tag removed. I don't. So so we'll see we'll you know we'll see what happens as time goes on. I think Antonio Pierce could coach somewhere else. 
I don't know if he will be a, a you know a head coach somewhere else, but I can almost assure you, at worst case scenario, he'll be a top a coordinator somewhere in the National Football League next year. I think he will get another chance, and obviously, so well received here and being heavily endorsed by guys like Matt Crosby surely doesn't hurt because we know one thing: Josh McDaniels surely was not endorsed by any of them. So we'll see what happens down the road. Um, I don't think Belichick will be the coach of the Raiders. I don't think Harbaugh will be the coach of the Raiders. But again, all that's yet to be determined. And over the next couple months, it will be determined. But Spence, I know we're running behind on the show. Go ahead and fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact This is brought to you by Lifelike Hair Center of Las Vegas. If you are experiencing hair loss or thinning hair and want to learn the best non-surgical options available, call 702-737-5759 or go to lifelikehair.com and schedule your free consultation today. It is a fact. The Detroit Lions have won four divisional titles and one playoff game since 19. 19- 57, and have not had a home playoff game since early January 1992. And up until this very moment in time, right now, based on their postseason record alone, they are considered by many the worst and most inept major professional team sports franchise in the world, bar none. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody's thinking about it around here. But the bottom line is, as of right now, until tonight happens, they still only have one playoff win in 65 years, and that is a fact. There's nothing wrong with that. This again, can all change tonight with a win here in Detroit over their former quarterback, Matthew Stafford, and the Los Angeles Rams. The question is, is it going to happen? A lot of people are concerned. The one thing you have to look at when you talk about the Rams and the Lions matchup, the Rams' number one asset is their wide receiving core, bar none. They have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and the bottom line is the Rams are the hottest team in the league right now. They have won seven of eight straight games, and so – that can't be disregarded. Matthew Stafford's coming home. I mean, the guy has a huge heart for Detroit, but should Detroit fans have a big heart for him? Not tonight for three and a half hours. They better hate him because if they don't and they cheer for him at all and give him any, any kind of motivation, the guy will tear this team apart with the receiving court he has. Again, the Detroit Lions' weakness is their secondary. The Rams' strength is their wide receiving core. That does not sound real well when you talk about it and you mix it up. That is a problem, and it's something that, that needs to be addressed and considered, and it has been. Another problem is 35% of the Lions' offense has come from Matt La- Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta is hurt, and you had a lot of people here disillusioned, believe he's going to help out and be around today. His knee injury was more severe than Kelsey's. Kelsey missed one game and should have missed more. Okay, Sam Laporta plays tonight. They are risking his entire future. I sure hope Campbell and them take that into consideration. If you saw the knee, it went sideways. If, Matt, if Sam Laporta plays tonight, I believe that men in black is real. The guy's an alien. There is no way a knee ligament can stretch that long, or can you make it? So the key is he'll be there in support of the team. Maybe they'll use him as a decoy, but they're going to have to get, have to get offensive production from somewhere else. My guess is it's going to come from Jamison Williams. The guy has been underutilized since he's come back from the suspension earlier in the year. He's the one that can get a lot more targets right now. Amon Ra, you can't give the guy any more targets. Second in the league this year in receptions. You can't throw him the ball anymore. He gets it enough. You can, Reynolds, you can throw the ball to a little bit more. Raymond, I hear, is out. So you got Reynolds you can throw to, and the only other guy is Laporta. Right, Brock Wright, the other tight end. People don't get disillusioned. This guy is a pedestrian, middle-of-the-road tight end at best. 
So he is not going to pick up the slack for Sam Laporta. That's just not the way it's going to be. But can the Lions win this game? They can absolutely win this game. They're at home. They're at Ford Field. This is the biggest thing that happened to Detroit in years and years and years. I've been talking about it on this show for months now that this team, you know what's funny is, guys, if you remember a few months ago, I said, wouldn't it be ironic if somehow Matthew Stafford and the Rams ended up in the wild card and came back and played the Lions? All these Lions fans years ago were celebrating the Rams Super Bowl like they won something. Stafford won it for the Rams. He's not a Detroit Lion, guys. We still don't have a ring. Be happy for him. But today I hope for Lions fans' sake that Aiden Hutchinson introduces Matthew Stafford to Ford Field and reminds him what it tastes like. People here got to quit glorifying this guy and realize he is an enemy tonight. He is in here to try to beat you and go to the farther in the playoffs. And if that's okay with you, then I'm shocked because I'm a Detroit fan. I worked for the Lions radio network, as you know, for, ten, for five and a half years. I would never be okay with Matthew Stafford and be cheering for that guy today. I love him. I hope he, I hope he does well. I don't want to see him get hurt. But tomorrow morning, I'd like to see him in an Epson bath, ice, ice bath, as he gets ready to play golf next weekend, not football. And, and it needs to be taken very, very seriously that, that this, this could happen to this team this year. Anyways, you know, that's kind of the rant again. You know, I go off with the Detroit Lions and where I feel. I'm going to say that I do think the Lions will find a win this game. It's going to be a tough road to try to get them to Vegas. But I think when it's all said and done, even without Laporta, they will find a way to win. I just hope they can get out of their way. And I hope Dan Campbell today puts his balls back in his pants and realizes you got to win football games, not get fourth fourth down conversions. Sometimes it works, but more times than not, it doesn't. So let's hope he smartens up and doesn't do what he did in Dallas. Other than that, the atmosphere here, guys, is unbelievable. They're lined up out the door at uh, Fanatic U right now, and the game is not until 8.15 or 8.30 tonight. So I'm telling you, man, it's a... it's, it's, it is cool what's going on in Detroit, the excitement, the tailgate parties. People are starting already. Um, man, I just hope it continues at least for another week after this one. Spence, you there? Yeah. Yeah, I would just say your, your thoughts before we do, we do our pick segment today. You know, with, with this Detroit Lions team, you know, and what's being said there, I haven't been there in about three or four days. Yeah. But what do people think about this, this Detroit Lions team, especially where they're probably going to be without the services of Sam Laporta tonight? No, I mean, this is going to be – this is a great playoff game. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I'm sure you know, would love nothing more than to bury the Lions. I wonder why. I mean, if he goes on another run this week, you definitely see him recovering. I mean, everyone's going to want to play so hard for the Rams. I could really see the Rams having a big upset tonight. I mean, the Lions have just never been here before. I mean, not in a long time. We were there the last time the Lions won a playoff game, and Matthew Stafford was never, never able to do it. And – you know, just like when all these other guys for the Lions, you know, these legendary players, everyone kind of shifts the blame here and there. And a lot of people thought that Matthew Stafford didn't have that. Was great, I mean, he proved in that Super Bowl run that he did. And, uh, well, his legacy again is on the night. I mean, I think he's already a Hall of Famer, but I think if he wins this game, I think it's cemented for sure. For yeah, I think I think he'll probably get into the Hall based on the body work and getting that one Super Bowl win, you know, first year with the Rams. Um, I think he's in the Hall. I Like you said, Spencer, the only reason that I don't – not the only reason. There's a few reasons I don't think there'll be an upset tonight with the Lions, but I think so many people feel the Rams could go in and beat the Lions. Like I said, they've won seven of eight games. They are the hottest team in the National Football League. This is prime for the Rams to beat them, and that's why I think, you know, the Lions know this as well. 
the experts were saying the two big, the two teams they looked to win on the road this week were Cleveland and the Rams. Well, Cleveland, we saw what happened to them in Houston yesterday, and hopefully the same thing will happen to the Rams. And I know I'm being partisan. Remember, guys, I'm from Detroit. I'm allowed to be. So, um, but but you know, Spence, I um, I, I, I not that I disagree with you. That could very well happen. I just I just believe that we will see the Lions advance, and it's not just from my heart. I think that it is going to be electric in Ford Field, probably as loud as I ever heard this place. It was loud when I was here for the Raiders game. So we'll see. That. Listen, guys, I know we got to fly. We got to do the the segment picks, and um, you know I'm not going to talk too much about yesterday's game. Pleasantly surprised at the Houston game. I thought if, if the Houston won, it would be a really tight game, and I thought Cleveland could run away with it, even with Joe Flacco as their quarterback because of their defense, but man, Houston just showed up, and C.J. Stroud, man, if he doesn't get offensive rookie of the year, it's a crime. I mean, this team is this team is playing good. I don't think they go any farther, but I love to see with Houston, and Mags and I kind of predicted that was our sleeper team to get to the playoffs a few weeks back, and here they are. You didn't just get there. They won the first round of the playoffs, and again, I don't think there was really that big of a surprise in the Kansas City Miami game. Kansas City was going to win. I mean, it was, it was the ice bowl. It looked so cold there. It was ridiculous, but I, I just had no doubt that Kansas City, especially Miami rest and everyone the week before, guys injured. Um, that made sense to me. Uh, you know, and the Buffalo game, of course, got postponed until tomorrow night because of the foul weather there. But let's bring in the scooper with our picks. I want to congratulate the scooper. He came through last week with Magnum's loss, culminating with scooper's win. They went head-to-head. Scooper got the regular season crowned by a half a game over me. I also won, and I was a half a game back last week. I stayed a half a game back. Uh, Magnum fell back a, a, a half a game behind me and a game behind Scooper and Spencer. I don't know if you can catch up or not, but this continues through the Super Bowl. So we're going right at, we're going right at it again today. We're going to get, the way we're going to do the order for the picks is we're going to go top to bottom. That's, the, that's what you get for winning the regular season. Scoop goes first, I go second, Mags will go third, and Spencer will go last. I will tell you this, you can pick the same game in the same team, but is that advantageous for you to do when you're trying to win? So think about that, whole, think about that first and foremost. But Scoop, what's going on, man? Who do you got this week? Good morning, guys. Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a team that's had some issues in the playoffs of late. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Expect them to be locked in. Pittsburgh, playing without T.J. Watt. Not ideal with that defense. They've had some big splits with him off the field. Expect Buffalo to uh, put their hands around their throats early and often. All right, I, I can appreciate that. And let's see what I have for that game right now is Buffalo is giving 10 points to the Steelers, but he, you were saying the weather and the Bills are just going to be too much, and they're better than 10 points, better than the Steelers. I could definitely see that. I think the Steelers, men are fortunate to be in the playoffs, got in on the last week as a very last wild card to make the, the playoffs, the AFC. I think Buffalo beats them as well. They're playing a lot better than they did at the regular season. So, Scoop, I think that's a good pick. I am going second. And, uh, guys, I have to do what I can. I, I, you know what? I'm going to be a homer. I'm just going to go with the – I'm going to say it one time. I never do it. Maybe I'll change some, but I hope not. I'm going to take the Lions at minus three points. I think so many people think this is upset special in the making that the Lions are hearing that and they are going to rise above and they are going to win this game. Mags, you're third. Who do you got? Well, I'm going opposite of you. I'm taking the Rams. I don't trust Dan Campbell. Coaching mismatch all the way. Sean McVay, I like the Rams. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Like I said, maybe my pick's more of a homer. Spence, you got some ground to make up. Who are you taking? I'll take the Steelers. I think the Steelers thrive on weird games, and I think this is going to be one of the most bizarre playoff games ever. Spencer, again, going with maybe the worst team in the playoffs, but he's going to take the plus 10. You can't argue with plus 10 points, Spence. I don't mind that at all. So there you have it, guys. I'll be back in the studio next week in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm going to freeze my ass off here in Detroit the rest of the weekend. Um, you guys will get some good shots in the locker room after the Lions game today. I'll be down there talking to the guys, and I'll send all that to you. So I appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. Ryan Feldman is out. Bye-bye.